Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to First Baptist Hanford. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are just so excited that you are joining us uh, this morning. We are still moving through our series in Galatians. We, uh, we have a couple more weeks here, and then we're actually going to launch into a brand new series uh, on the idea of prayer, uh, where we are, we're going to actually take a look at the verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Um, and peace and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so by utilizing that verse kind of as, as a framework, we're going to take apart the Lord's Prayer then, line by line, so we can see how Jesus taught us how to pray in such a way that would allow us to get rid of anxiety in the midst of this season. So we're really excited about it. That's going to start up in a couple of weeks, uh, but, but that's still uh, a few weeks away. Today, though, we're going to be in Galatians 5 verses 16 to 26. Now, Galatians 5, 16 to 26, uh, it is one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible. Uh, It's talking about the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. But before we go any further in that, um, I just want you to think for a second and think back to a time where maybe you've gone hunting before or you've shot bows and arrows before or even you had a little air rifle in your backyard shooting cans before or anything like that. Or maybe it's skeet shooting. Now for me, uh, uh, skeet shooting specifically, for those of you who are unfamiliar with, with the sport, it's the sport where they say pull and an orange flying disc comes flying out from behind you or next to you or something like that and you try to hit it with a shotgun. Maybe not so much hit it with a shotgun, but hit it with a shotgun shell that is shot from a, uh, from a, uh, a shotgun. Uh, I'm terrible at skeet shooting. Um, and, and to be fair, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't even grow up like around guns or anything like that. So I never got a ton of practice when I was younger. And that has produced a, a, a terrible skeet shooter in me today. You know, as a matter of fact, I used to go uh, and compete in this event that we would call Man Olympics um, with, uh, with a bunch of my friends from college every year. Uh, and one of the events was skeet shooting. And so each guy would get 10 opportunities, 10 skeet, 10 clay pigeons, uh, to, to hit with, with the shotgun. And the highest hit total at the end of those 10 clay pigeons was the winner. And so I remember one guy went and he's got like six out of 10, another guy eight out of 10. Uh, my cowboy friend, who also was the one who owned uh, the skeet launcher, uh, got 10 out of 10, go figure. And then it was my turn to shoot. And, you know, I, I set up and I'm aiming and I say pull and the, the clay pigeon flies out and it's a beautiful clay pigeon and I'm tracking with it. I pull the trigger and I completely and totally whiffed on the whole thing. And then, okay, let's do it again. Number two comes out. Whiffed on the whole thing. Long story short, all 10 of them came out. I hit zero of them uh, the entire time. But the clay pigeon would, uh, would come across the sky. I would aim. I would have what I felt, you know, I would see what I felt kind of comfortable with. And as I felt comfortable with that, I would pull the trigger and I would miss completely over and over and over again. So let's press pause on that story for just a second. We'll circle back to it. 
Um, but let's hop back to the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is something I did grow up learning. I did grow up learning. Uh, uh, our kids' ministry learns about it. It's quoted all the time. The verses in Galatians of 5, to 23, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Some translations will say patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is a great passage of encouragement right? Uh, oftentimes it's used as kind of a guidepost for where Christians ought to try and lead uh, their lives. Uh, almost like, like we work hard, if we work harder to be more loving, if we work harder to have more peace, to be more self-controlled, then the Spirit will be more active in my life. It's almost like we see these words as a target for us to hit, and, and we take our shotgun out, and we make the tiny adjustments in our lives to try and aim at love, to try and aim at faithfulness, to try and aim at gentleness, and then we, we pull the trigger, and then we hope that we hit something close to what Paul seemingly has defined as a Christian lifestyle. But we need to understand the fruit of the Spirit is not a target. The fruit of the Spirit is actually a report card. See, the problem is that, that in this passage, Paul is not telling us that we need to try to live more like these descriptors. Paul is telling us that these descriptors are evidence of the Spirit in our lives. And so it's not try to love harder. It's a report card on how well we are engaging with the Spirit. But how could that be true? Let's take a look at these, the verses that kind of come before it, and, uh, and it should make a little bit more sense. So Galatians 5, 16 to 18 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you can substitute flesh here with sinful desires, selfishness, whatever you want to kind of substitute that with. That's what Paul is talking about, the desires of the flesh, the selfishness, the selfishness of the flesh, the sinful desires that we all have. So if we walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the sinful desires that you have. But the interesting thing here is that Paul actually starts off this entire section with the word so, which means he's responding to something he wrote previously. That something is actually what Pastor Jeff taught on last week, specifically idea, the idea that we are not called to devour one another. We are called to walk in humility and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so now Paul is saying, so, so... In order to do that, in order to love our neighbor as ourselves, what should we do? As Paul tells us, we need to walk by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not give in to sin. Because you can't walk by the Spirit and gratify the desires of the flesh at the same time because they're at odds with one another. They are mutually exclusive things. Kind of like sleeping and eating at the same time, I mean, at least for, for most of us, I hope. Those two things are not supposed to be able to happen at the same time because they're mutually exclusive. When you are asleep, you cannot be rummaging around in the fridge for the last bits of shredded cheese in the middle of the night. And in the same way, if you are rummaging around in your fridge for the last scraps of cheese in the middle of the night, you cannot be sleeping 
At least like I said, I hope you can't. They are mutually exclusive. So in the same way that we can't walk by the Spirit and gratify the desires of the flesh at the same time. So what are the desires of the flesh that he's talking about? Great question. He continues in verse 19. It says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, or orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Real quickly, this sentence right here, I warn you as I did before. Most scholars believe that Paul at some point wrote a first letter to the Galatians or, um, as I did before, could talk about the idea that when Paul was there setting up the church. Okay, so it's one of those two things. But regardless, Paul makes a great list here. A great list here. And he even tells us that, that these sins are very, very obvious to us. Some that we talk about, we talk about them all the, all the time. Right, the idea of sexual immorality. It permeates our culture. It permeates our world. Idolatry continues to be prevalent, right? But something interesting happens. Oftentimes when reading a list like this, what tends to happen is you read a little bit and you're like, okay, I've seen a list kind of like this before. You get to idolatry, it goes to witchcraft, and you're like, okay, I can kind of skim the rest. But after it gets past witchcraft, this is actually where I think things pick up for us in our current state. The idea of hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And these words could be a poster for the political atmosphere we currently find ourselves in. These are the sins that Paul was talking about here, not just sins that apply to the Galatians. Sure, they were dealing with these things. But these are sins that we are always going to deal with. These are sins that are always going to be prevalent until we are in glory with God. Now, in the same sense, the fruit of the Spirit is a report card, like we said before. The desires of the flesh are a report card as well. What it is, report, what it is that we, it is reporting, we'll get to in just a second, but let's keep pushing. Galatians 5, 22 to 24. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the report card that I continue to talk about is not about your ability levels. It's not about how good or bad you are at something. It's not about your ability to pull yourself up by your bootstraps so you can be more gentle to someone. The report card I keep talking about is how in sync you are with the Holy Spirit. So in order to be fruitful, when it comes to these things, in order to bear this fruit, in order to do that, it's, a it's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of investing deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is telling them to do. Paul is reminding the Galatians once again that it's not about how good you can be. Right, Paul? This is just like beating the same drum over and over and over and over again. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about being more loving or being more gentle or being more patient or anything like that. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying it's not about how well you can follow the law. 
What Paul is saying is it's about your faith and your faith should allow you to walk in the Spirit. And Jesus actually tells us in Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So as believers, not only should we be marked by this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, the, all, the, the whole thing, the Holy Spirit is meant to both lead and empower us as well. So again, our salvation has nothing to do with us and has everything to do with our faith in the same way that the fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with trying to be better and everything to do with walking with the Spirit. That's what Paul is trying to convey here. It tells us this at the end of the passage. Galatians 5, 25 and 26. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what does that mean? The question becomes, how do we stay in step with the Spirit? So oftentimes when something like this comes up, we say, okay, well, let's definitely go back and see what Jesus has to say about this, right? Because Jesus, obviously, ultimate authority, Bible authoritative, Jesus as well. So Jesus actually has us, uh, tells a fascinating story in John 15, beginning in verse 1. This should be familiar to probably many of you. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Walk in the Spirit. Bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Try to do it by yourself. Try to accomplish loving by yourself. Try to accomplish gentleness by yourself. Try to accomplish whatever it may be by yourself. You can do nothing apart from him. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So while it doesn't say fruit of the Spirit. This is a great way to think about the fruit of the Spirit having nothing to do with your ability to do better. The fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with your ability to be better. The way we gain the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is not about trying. It is about abiding. Let me say that again. The way we gain the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is not about trying. It is about abiding. It's about staying connected to the vine. It's about staying in step with the Holy Spirit because if you are not connected, you have no way of bearing fruit. Paul's very clear about that. If you are not connected, you're then just some tiny little brittle branch lying on the ground with no path forward, with no ability to do what it is that you are supposed to do because you're no longer connected to the vine. You're no longer in step with the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit 
means that we, we yield to his control. It means that we follow his lead. We allow him to exert his influence over us. Those who walk in the spirit, are, they're united with him. And they're, they're the bearers of the fruit of the spirit that the fruit of the spirit produces. Thus, because of this, those who walk in the spirit, they walk in love. They live in love for God and for their fellow man. Why? Because they're connected to God. They're connected to the vine. They're walking in step with the spirit. Those who walk in the spirit walk in joy. They exhibit gladness in what God has done, is doing, and will do. Not what they have done, not what they are doing, or not what they will do. Those who walk in the spirit walk in peace. They live worry-free. They live free of anxiety. Those who walk in the spirit walk in patience. They're known for having a, a long fuse and don't lose control of their temper. Those who walk in the spirit, they walk in kindness. They show tender concern for the needs of others. Those who walk in the spirit, they walk in goodness. Their actions reflect virtue. Their actions reflect holiness. Those who walk in the spirit, they, work in, they, they walk in faithfulness. They're steadfast in their trust of God. They're steadfast in their trust of his word. Those who walk in the spirit, they, 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 they walk in self-control. They display moderation. They display constraint and the ability to say no to the flesh, the ability to say no to the sinful desires that Paul talked about earlier. Those who walk in the Holy Spirit, they rely on the spirit to guide them in thought, they rely on the Spirit to guide them in word. They rely on the Spirit to guide them in deed. Romans 6, 11 through 14 tells us that. But you can't do it apart from him. Jesus is very clear about that. Paul is very clear about that. That apart from him, apart from Christ, apart from the Spirit, you can do nothing. We have to remain connected. So the question is, what does it look like for you to stay walking in the Spirit so the outcome, so the outcome of that walk would be fruitful? So your report card would say, yep, he's connected to the Spirit and he's not giving in to the desires of the flesh. Because it has to be one or the other. As you're abiding in the Spirit, you cannot also walk in the flesh. You have to abide in the Spirit. And so I think, I think when we're talking about this idea of walking in the Spirit, what is that? How do I stay connected? How do I walk in the Spirit? All of those different things. I do think this is where the idea of spiritual disciplines come into, come into, uh, come into play. And if you haven't been a part of church for any amount of time, the spiritual disciplines are essentially things that we should do to ensure that the connection you have to the Holy Spirit is strong. So essentially, as far as it depends on you, that connection remains strong, that you are abiding in the Spirit. And there's no consensus list kind of of spiritual disciplines. Like in, in Scripture, there's no like, oh, these are the 15 spiritual disciplines, and if you do all these things, you'll never feel, feel apart from God or anything like that. That's not the case. Okay, but but they, there are numerous things that are mentioned in Scripture that does allow us to see what some of these spiritual disciplines actually 
are. There's not a set list, so different authors list different disciplines. Some are more biblical than others. I think there's kind of 12 primary spiritual activities that were practiced and, and kind of prescribed for all believers in the Bible. So uh, there is follows. Study, uh, prayer, fasting, confession, worship, fellowship, rest, celebration, service, generosity, chastity, and disciple making. Yeah, and there were a lot there. Go back, rewind, pause, take whatever notes you need, to, you need to take or whatever. But if you make these spiritual disciplines your target, if you aim to study the word, if you, if you aim to pray, if you aim to fast, if you aim to confess your sins to one another, If you're trying to hit the mark on resting, if you're trying to hit the mark on celebrating, if you're trying to hit the mark on serving and being generous, if your mark is spiritual disciplines, if your mark, if your aim, if your goal is to remain connected to the Spirit, then your report card is going to show fruit. That's what Paul is telling them. Paul isn't telling them to try harder. Paul is telling them to abide in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, stay connected to the vine. That's what Paul is saying. And as we stay connected, as we abide, as we walk, as we do all of those things, the fruit of the Spirit will be prevalent in our lives. And even as a church, right, even as a church, our goal isn't to simply love God, love people, and serve the world by trying harder to do so. That's not the hope. That's not our goal. Our goal is actually to love God, love people, and serve the world by abiding in Christ and staying in step with the Holy Spirit. So our target at that, at that point is not to become more loving. Our target is to remain plugged into the Spirit, to continue to walk alongside Him So when we get our report card, the fruit of the Spirit is indeed prevalent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for those who are with us online. God, we just pray for our country. We pray for just our nation, our world. God, I pray that we would recognize that it's not our ability to love better to love other people better or for us to become more gentle on our own. God, that what you've actually called us to is continue to just invest in the Spirit, continue to remain in Christ, continue to walk in the Spirit. And as we do so, the evidence of that walk would come about in the fruit of our lives. So God, I pray just for those who maybe feel guilty because they blew up at somebody last week or they weren't as gentle as they should have been or they weren't as kind as they should have been or they haven't been as faithful maybe as they should have been. God, that you would just remove that guilt that they wouldn't say, man, I just gotta, next time I'll try to be more kind. God, that that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for us to abide more deeply in you. And as we abide more deeply in you, that, that the kindness shown is a byproduct of that. So God, I pray against guilt, but I do pray for brokenness in the hearts of those people, in the hearts of all of us who who our conviction is not enough. Our conviction 
simply needs to be in your son that we've been convicted of the fact that we have fallen short, that every single one of us have fallen short. And if that is you today, that man, you would just, you would pray along with me, that you would say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize that I've fallen short of the glory of God. But I do be, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross so that I could be reconciled to the Father forever so I could be reconciled to God forever, so I could go and be in his midst forever and see I would choose to follow you every single day, that I would choose those spiritual disciplines. Those spiritual disciplines would indeed be my aim so that my report card would be the fruit of your spirit. Father, we love you so much. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.